Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. So oh, you're you're going to go? Oh, okay. Okay. All right. He's going to leave us alone. He just left me alone in, in like a booth. I'm like just alone. <laughs> Don't get in trouble over there, Jenny. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Trisha Bobita. And I'm Greta Johnson. And this week's guest on the show is actress and comedian Jenny Slate. You might know Jenny from her ridiculous role on Parks and Recreation as Mona Lisa Saperstein, (laughs) John Ralphio's twin sister from the same mister. The two spent a lot of time on the show terrorizing her boyfriend and his best friend, Tom Haverford, played by Aziz Ansari. I'm pregnant. Oh my God, are you serious? I'm going to be an uncle? Is that a real thing? Is that going to happen? Well, I wish you told me. I mean, obviously we need to talk about our future. Maybe I could sell the business and we could use the profits to put a down payment on a house or something. Or... You had a dumb dumb face. <laughs> that was hilarious. That was hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> they might be my favorite <laughs> terrible people. I, the she is my favorite terrible person. She's just, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Jenny also wrote and voiced Marcel the Shell, a series of mesmerizing YouTube videos from the perspective of a tiny seashell. My name is Marcel, and I'm partially a shell, as you can see on my body, but I also have shoes and um, a face, so I like that about myself, and I like myself, and I have a lot of other great qualities as well. It's just so beautiful. So Jenny Slate is my favorite terrible person and my favorite seashell. I know. It's very confusing. She's also been on Kroll Show and Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Girls and SNL. And she recently played serious-ish adulting characters in movies like Obvious Child and the film Landline, which just came out on July 21st. But besides all that, which we'll definitely talk about, we're also going to talk with Jenny about something you probably don't know about her. A little-known obsession, if you will. So, Jenny, we're super excited to talk with you about Landline, which I really loved, and many of our other favorite characters. But first, Jenny, we are also very excited to talk with you about something that people probably don't know about you, which is that you are obsessed with houseplants. (laughs) So I wonder, like, why houseplants? How much do you love them? Yes, I, I feel like they are the key to a peaceful, happy life and... It's like their vitality and their freshness and their serenity. I want to have as many as possible. And I just can't even believe they can be in the house. I think they're pretty remarkable. And they're just very gentle. They really represent the will to live and thrive. And there's no sense of like being driven. They're just naturally trying to be alive. And I think the inclination to lean towards the light is a thing that I try to replicate in my own behavior. So I just I think they're very inspiring. And if there's something that feels the closest to a religion to me right now, it's houseplants. 
That's really beautiful. You know, I have to say I was a little worried that you were just going to be like, well, they're nice. But these are like real reasons to admire houseplants. Yeah. And it's not also like a code word for like, I want to grow weed or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my God, I didn't even <laughs> like, think of that. You just grow a bunch of weed, huh? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Um, but I really am so fascinated by gentle things that have such an ingrained will to survive. I love it. And then I also like that one of my favorite things from Sesame Street that I can remember as a child, like that really pleased me was a cartoon with these two kind of like burnout dudes who are like, what's wrong with you plant, man? And then uh, the plants like all droopy and they're like, I know so-and-so always takes a shower to help her wake up and they give it water. And then they're like, yeah, plants need water. <laughs> and the plant is like a big fat fern kind of plant. And um, I just love that. How many house plants do you have? Like if I walked into your home, is it just like a crazy jungle? Is that the future aspiration? Like what are you working with? You know, in in five years, really in a year, I would like to be living in a place that is just packed with plants, potted, hanging on the windowsill, and that they're really chosen wisely and that it's like booming uh, an indoor ecosystem of active care and that makes me feel like it's an outward representation of my inner self and life so that's the future aspiration I don't have that right now and I really wish that I did but I am in a temporary rented apartment while I'm looking for a permanent home for myself. So I don't have that many. I say I, I probably have under 12. Do you know what kinds they are? No, I don't. I don't know their names. They have names, but their names are like Rebecca. Oh, they do have names? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are the other names that you have of plants? Okay, we've got Rebecca, Richard, <laughs> Leslie. <laughs> Go on. Then there is the thing. Ooh, that's a good one. Which is just like the thing because it's like this big, it turned red. I don't know what happened. It's a succulent. <laughs> so I was like, oh, my God, that's the thing. Okay, then I have a hanging plant that I call Susanna that's in my um, living room. And then in my office, there are like three that hang down. And I just call them the witches. <laughs> <laughs> like Macbeth style? Uh, No, those aren't the kind of witches that I'm into. Okay, fair enough. The kind of witch I imagine is kind of like more of like a wrinkle in time mm. sort of science nature witch who like is an older woman, but like a sexual crone kind of who has like long silver hair that's not gray, but it's silver. That's like what that is. Yes, I love that. Okay, so we have Rebecca, Richard, Leslie, The Thing, Susanna, The Witches... Yeah, and then I have two on the desk, and um, one is Buddy. Aww. Yeah, and then Roberta. Aww. So I want to put their names on the pots, but I feel like that's too, like, manic pixie dream girl of me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can go in over that line so quickly, and I'm not. I'm just not trying to do that, so... I just know yeah. them. Okay. Yeah. So I don't want to dwell too much on the dark side, but have you killed many houseplants? I always kill the same type. So now I, I'm like, I feel so bummed about it because I really want it. Um, I believe it's called a maidenhead fern. It's like a very, very delicate green leafy fern. 
And I tried to keep it in the bathroom thinking, well, there's enough light, but it's not harsh. And I put it in the shower when I would go in there um, to get the steam. And I had like a cool setup where it was like the shower was in a bathtub and then the bathtub had like a little pedestal. So the plant was getting the steam, but not the direct droplets. I was not overwatering it, I don't think. Hmm. But uh, I've tried so many times with those guys and they always die. And um, I would like to figure this out. I would really like to figure this out. So this is perfect because we actually have a plant expert on the line to answer some of your houseplant questions. Oh my gosh, I'm nervous. Here with us now is Tara Heibel, and she's the owner and founder of Sprout Home, which is a gardening and floral shop based in Chicago, and there's one in Brooklyn as well. Tara, yeah, totally. Tara, welcome Sorry. to Nerdette. Hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so, Jenny, go for it. Ask all the questions you have of Tara. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so nervous now, and, and I also really love Sprout. I used to live in Brooklyn. Oh, thank you. Um, I mean, the first question is, I guess I do want to know why I keep killing that one fern. Over and over again. I think it's called a, is it possible it's called a maiden hair, maiden head? You are correct. It's actually called a maiden hair and not a maiden, maiden head. Hair. Although I, I do like that. It does resemble like a person's hair on their head. So I get it. Yeah. Um, that is probably one of the most lovely ferns, but it's also no. one of the most delicate um, that you can ever possibly care for. They have very thin leaves. You know, the moisture escapes them quite readily. The environment that you have them in, um, as far as the bathroom, getting the humidity, et cetera, is perfect for them. Um, you have it in the right light. Chances are they dried out. The trick with the maiden hairs is even moisture as far as their soil is concerned and high humidity. So when you touch the soil, you want to make sure that there's always an even moisture level. If there's any air blowing on it, or if it gets too much sun, those leaves will curl up and basically seize. So what you can do if you you accidentally go an extra day without watering them and he seizes up or she, depending on what you end up naming the next one, Mm -hmm. if you don't have it in the bathroom, just try to get a mister and do a really delicate misting in the air or perhaps have some of your other plant friends around it to provide more humidity. And if it does seize, you could chop it all back so that it allows the root system to push out new growth. A lot of times when you move a maidenhair fern into a new environment, he or she might get shocked out and you'll need to do that. But give the plant a chance and let them regenerate. You just, you have to be really good with the watering on those guys. Is it a daily thing, do you think? Uh, I would touch the soil. Sometimes it can be. You know, what'll help is if you bought the plant and he was in a really small container, and if you repot the plant and put it into a bigger container, the more soil you have around it, the more water retention there is in the soil. So you'll be able to extend your care as far as your watering durations um, and possibly allow you to have an extended vacation as a plant parent as comparative to, you know, having to water him every day. But you've got to use the soil test, you know, as far as judging when he's starting to go dry. Great. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try. I'm nervous, but I am going to try. The plants that are the hardiest, I actually got them at Ikea. And I love them because they can be hanging plants and they their leaves look sort of like rubbery and they're just perfect and green they're rather plain but they hang down and it feels like there's kind of nothing I can do to kill them but sometimes 
I noticed, like, does it mean that you've overwatered it if um, there's brown on the fringes of the leaves? Normally, if it's brown on the edges of the leaves and it's more of a crispy brown, yeah. they're drying out for some reason. So it oh. could be from going a little bit too long um, and not watering them, or it could be that they're in a little bit too much sun. You would probably recognize where the leaves are browning. If it's browning from all the way around, you know, and you really can't deduce that from one side or another, then it's usually coming from the root system as far as having a little bit too much of a dry time. If it's only coming from one side, check to see where your light source is. Is it getting too much direct sun hitting that area of the plant and drying it out on the leaves? But that sounds like it got some sort of drought at one point or another. That makes sense. I go away a lot. That's the, the other thing. So let me ask you, one of the plants that I really want to have I think it's called a, like a string of pearls. They look like little green peas, like little, they hang down. Yeah, they're wonderful. They're actually um, part of the succulent family. Oh. And it would be a very good plant for you, actually. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, having to have a plethora of plants in your house, the first thing you have to realize is what kind of plant parent I am. So that if you realize, hey, I go out of town a lot, maybe the maidenhair fern is not for you. But the string of pearls, yeah. you can let dry out by about 20 to 30% of its volume. You can tell they're getting thirsty because imagine these guys in the desert. It'll rain. They pull their water into like this water retention tank that those pearls are. They drink uh-huh. everything in the soil and then they actually start drinking from their bodies. So you can uh-huh. see them pucker or wrinkle a little bit and that's when you know to water them. Oh, cool. Oh, man. This is so exciting. Uh, and then, then yeah, I, I would really like to have a spider plant and what they call a lipstick plant, I think. I don't have either one of those, but I have friends who have them and I'd like to have them in my kitchen, which is very bright. Is that a no-no? For both plants, they just want a bright filtered light. They can tolerate a little bit of direct sun as long as it's really low intensity. The spider plant would be great for you, and same with the lipstick plant, because you can let them go slight dry to the touch as far as the soil is concerned, and they are super, super easy to deal with. I would probably start with the spider plant because that's a little bit easier. Yeah. And if you have a space where you want to put them where maybe it's getting a little peak of direct sun, Put the lipstick plant there because then it'll help it bloom, which the blooms are amazing and they do look like little vials of lipstick. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, I've never had that. I would like to have it. I also like, why is the geranium an outdoor plant? Could I have a red geranium in my kitchen if I wanted to? You can. You can absolutely have a geranium in your kitchen. You just have to make sure that you're getting a little bit of direct sun rays on it. And I actually think they make great houseplants. Oh, my God, you're killing me. This is like all I want. You know, growing up, my mom was like, she didn't really like geraniums. And I don't get why, because I love how they smell like that grassy, just very specific geranium smell is so invigorating to me. And it, it like actually makes gives me like a better attitude. And they're just so red when they're really, really red and they're so hardy. And I would like to have them in my house. And now I will. You can do it. Just remember <laughs> to when the blooms are done, because they're not always going to be blooming. You know, when right. a certain flower fades, you want to pinch them off so that it helps promote new blooms to come out. But absolutely, you can have those guys inside of the house. It, I wouldn't stop you. Oh, man. Um, you just made my day. I'm so happy. <laughs> uh, um, 
I feel like I actually um, I feel more confident. Tara Heibel, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us. It was really wonderful to get some plant knowledge from you. Thank you so much. Of course. Good luck with everything. And you know what? It is not weird at all that you name your plants. It's totally normal. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad. Uh, Yeah, it feels like a really nice thing to do. After the break, we'll talk about what Jenny Slate's really known for, which isn't houseplants, but maybe is now. It should be. You're listening to Nerdette. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Okay, so we're going to switch gears now to talk about your latest project, which is Landline. And we have a clip we would like to listen to. I think this sets things up pretty well. So your character is named Dana, and she's the big sister who doesn't quite have everything together, but she's still much more responsible than her little sister, Allie. So here's a scene from the movie when Allie is, of course, no spoilers, about to buy heroin. Is this a drug deal? Are you buying drugs? Shut the fuck up, trash bag. Uh, Take a better look, cool guy. I'm a California raisin. Dana, can you just... Can you be cool? No, I can't be cool. I've had the worst night, and I don't know why you would bring me to this gross place. No offense. Let's just go. (laughs) Oh my god, is that a needle? Just calm down, okay? I don't want to calm down. It's for a friend. It's not even for me. And this is not like a regular thing for me, okay? It's, It's a holiday. The holiday is Halloween, which is not typically a heroin holiday on most people's calendars. You're so smart. Why would you do this? You know that people do it one time, they get addicted to I their I did it hearts. once. I'm fine. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ, Dana. Not everything is so black and white. Like, you can, you can fuck Nate and still love Ben, right? Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. You need to just step out. You're not in this conversation. I love so many things about that clip, but I think my favorite might be how indignant you get about the California raisin thing. It's just I know. So <laughs> um, yeah, in that scene, the characters are dressed like California raisins. It's 1995, and they have dressed as California raisins for Halloween. And Dana, my character, is she's a real square um, in terms of what she thinks should and shouldn't happen, but she is straining against that framework because it doesn't really work with the bubbly nature that is like deep within her humanity. You know, like that energy that she has, it's very, she's very energetic, has been probably channeled into getting A's and doing things right and organizing things and being nice, you know. And now she's at a point in her life when those aren't the things she really wants to do anymore, but that energy remains. And I think it happens for a lot of people, a lot of women, but a lot of people in general, like potential sexual energy goes to like kinetic and you're just like, why haven't I been using this enough? Why am I in a stasis when I'm so young and I'm like ready to go? 
So you did an interview about Landline and you said that you had to be taught how to pretend not to know about weed, which I think is... (laughs) Hilarious. Also, just thinking about all the other like completely ridiculous, amazing off the wall characters that you've played. Does it sort of feel like you're more grown up and so you're playing this more grown up role? No, not really. I I think that comment that like I had to be, you know, taught to like not know about weed or whatever. (laughs) It was a joke that I made during a QA and a because. Dana, this character, is a really formed person, formed on purpose. You know, she has a, like a structure to her personality. And I've always sort of existed in like on a completely different belief system. For example, I don't think that it's a problem to responsibly smoke marijuana if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are, uh, I'm sure, a large group of people who would say, how can you call yourself a role model and also smoke weed? And my response to that is like, First of all, I don't call myself a role model, but I don't not call myself a a role model. Do I think that I'm someone that children should meet and learn from? For sure. (laughs) I love people. So, yeah, I would love to have a child of my own. And I like being around children and showing them that there is um, major, major freedom when it comes to identity. You know, that character of Dana is not she doesn't think that. So in a way, she she feels less mature than I am. And the more mature I get. The younger that I feel, the fresher I feel. Landline and Obvious Child have the same director-writer, which is Gillian Robespierre. What is it about working with her that makes you keep coming back? There are many things that make me want to work with Gillian for the rest of my life, hopefully. The first is that before I knew her well, I felt safe, excited, and invigorated by her take on a current female experience. She was gentle. She was discerning. She had a lot of empathy, but she was really unapologetic for a lot of things that I realized I was being kind of meek about. While she loves men, she has just no time to bend towards the male gaze. And I needed that. I needed a role model like that in my life. It changed everything from my personal style to how I think about myself in my community to how I pick my jobs. And I like that she allows me to play women who are sexually active, have sexual preferences, but are not sexualized in any way that is going to create a marketplace for the patriarchy. (laughs) I like that. I like that the ways in which I feel sexy in her movies are because I am connected to a deep like major horniness, you know, just like Mm -hmm. a girl horniness, an energy that, you know, it's weird when people are like, well, there's someone for everyone. And sometimes like in a room full of adults, I look around and I'm like, everyone here does it. You know, I'm still mesmerized by sex, (laughs) but even now as a person that's like been able to have it, I'm just mesmerized by it. And I think it's the best thing. I think it's so much fun and so beautiful. And, and those feelings don't come from being objectified or, Uh, seeing sex ever as part of commerce. Mm -hmm. And Gillian is really tuned into that. I like the way she dresses me, and I like the stories that she's interested in telling. So all of that is very appetizing for me. So I also feel like we have to talk about this cast. We have Edie Falco and John Turturro and Abby Quinn, who is like the perfect little sister to you. Yeah. And Jay Duplass. How incredible was it to work with all these guys? I don't know if this situation will ever be, I think it's a one of a kind sort of thing because Edie and John are exceptional veteran actors 
Jay is someone who is so open and so careful and thoughtful and sensitive and flexible. And then with Abby, she has this amazing skill set as an actress, but also has the exciting thing of like really being a newcomer. Mm -hmm. And so she is a lovely person who has questions and asks them respectfully. The one I'm thinking of is like too personal, but it's, it's like about when you're doing like love scenes on on set. She had like some questions about that. And I just remember thinking I was very flattered that she wanted to ask me and I understood that it was vulnerable for her. And, you know, when that moment happens, I think it deepens your work and it makes you feel good in, in the world in terms of how you're how people see you, that they can come to you. That's the flag I want to fly, you know, for sure. I don't want to let you go without talking about Mona Lisa Saperstein from Parks and Rec because Mm -hmm. I just have a lot of love for this character. And I want to listen to another clip before we talk about her. And in this clip, Mona Lisa is introduced for the first time in the show as the new sales associate at Rent-A-Swag, which, if you do not recall, is Tom Haverford's teen clothing rental service. And Tom, (laughs) Tom, as we heard before, is played by Aziz Ansari. Let's take a listen. Oh, Diam, it is kind of a sausage party in here. For the record, would hit it, would hit, would hit, hard pass. <laughs> this is Mona Lisa Saperstein, my new sales associate. Mona Lisa Saperstein? Does that mean... Oh, yeah! <laughs> She's my sister, my twin sister from the same mister. Thank you so much for hiring Mona Lisa. It means so much to me, even though, honestly, she is the she is the worst person in the world. Huge skank, terrible, but thank you. Of course, gotta keep it in the family. Actually, that reminds me, boss man. I need to leave early today because my shrink got me and him tickets to a Pitbull concert. And I already committed to that. And so if you say that I can't go, it's like you're taking something away from me. <laughs> um, store's really busy. I kind of mm. need you to stay. I totally hear you. Um, I also don't like what you're saying. So if you say no, I will start a fire in the bathroom. Okay, I guess you can go. Yeah, I know I can. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know the origins? Or like, how did this character come to be? A friend of mine wrote it and asked me to do it. Yes. Which is like problematic because I'm just like, you know, this is a person that people are actually calling the worst person. Like literally the worst. (laughs) Yeah, I don't. The person who invented this character is my friend and comedian Joe Mandy, who is so incredibly funny and smart and um, also wrote the Liz and Liz characters on the Kroll show. Oh, cool. So he has really given me the ability to play an a-hole all over this tinsel town. Yes. Um, I think, you know, John Ralphio was already such a total asshole. (laughs) The fact that they would double down on that in such a, like, the Parks and Rec community is so sweet. I think it just offsets it so well. And um, this character isn't anything like me, but her energy level filming this was one of the most fun things I've ever done because Ben Schwartz, who plays my brother, is an amazing improviser. And we really just went crazy. We went crazy. (laughs) And everyone would just let us. And it was so much fun. It was such a giant privilege. And those outfits are just, I mean, what is even going on? Yeah. So how cathartic was it? Because partly I think what I find so amazing about Mona Lisa is that like she says all the worst things. She gets to be like the most horribly behaved human and, you know, like objectified dudes. And like she just goes for it in a way that like sometimes I wish I could. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I mean, I never want to go for it the way that Mona Lisa goes well, of for course, it. Of course, but I of think course. Um, <laughs> I think it feels really good just to be like, there's nothing real about this at all. So any weird voice you want to do, anytime you want to break into song, any sort of social norm you want to bust down, you can. The only thing you have to commit to is full embodiment of this incredibly selfish, heightened person. Mm -hmm. That the only thing you don't do, you just don't take your foot off the gas. Um, (laughs) But I, I really loved it. The only thing I will say is that my parents don't watch a lot of my work. Mm -hmm. I don't ask them to. And I don't know, like they don't watch a lot of TV and they never saw this. And we were in a restaurant in Boston and someone came up to me and they were like, oh, you're the worst. (laughs) And my dad looked like he was going to like jump out of the booth and just punch this person in the face. And I had to describe to them that this is like, because it's, you know, people say it to me on the internet. They use like so many O's like you're the worst. And I had to explain to them like, no, that's it. It's a callback. It's a joke. It's I'm not being harassed. Coming up, homework from Jenny Slate that involves capybaras. And if you don't know what a capybara is, now would be an excellent time to Google image search it. Yeah, that's actually very important. You're listening to Nerdette. Over the course of this interview, we've talked about a number of different sorts of characters that you've played. We didn't even hardly get to Marcel, which is another just like such a sweet, wistful character that you play. I wonder if there is one that you feel like you relate to the most or if that changes on any given day. Oh, the character that I relate the most to for sure is Marcel the Shell. He is a combination creation with my friend and ex-husband Dean Fleischer Camp you know, us together did that. But the way that Marcel expresses self-love casually and Mm -hmm. with a little bit of sadness and Mm -hmm. the way that he's other and alone, but also not really struggling against anything, but that he's just kind of in a state of wholeness. Those are all things that I feel within myself. And um, I think it is the most accurate expression of what my inner life feels like and what my personality feels like to me. And I like that he is a male shell with no age and no sexuality. And that that's a good way for me to try to slough off all of the things that can be put on me because I am a woman or I'm an actress or I'm whatever age or an American or whatever, you know, like it's a way to say, well, let me just show you the the start of everything for me, for, for my personhood. Guess what I wear as a hat? What? A lentil. One time I nibbled on a piece of cheese and my cholesterol went up to 900. Guess what I used to tie my skis to my car? What? A hair. Guess what my skis are? What? Toenails from a man. Guess what I use as a beanbag chair? What? A raisin. Guess what I do for adventure? What? I hang glide on a Dorito. So one last question for you before we let you go. We like to ask our guests to give our listeners homework. You know, I would suggest the thing that's been making me feel, I think it's very important to do small things to make yourself feel like gentle 
unfettered pleasure. And I do go on the Instagram account of this farm very often. It's called Suetoshi Farm. That's S-U-E-T-O-S-H-I underscore farm. And there's just a man, he plays music for his animals, and the animals all seem to sort of hang out together. There's a capybara, there are tortoises and goats and mini ponies and things like that, and they're in Japan. And and I think sometimes we all need to be soothed, and that's different than being like, I just need to check out, I'm going to watch this reality TV show. Mm-hmm. In fact, I would suggest this farm, and I would beg people to please stop watching certain reality TV, like... The Bachelorette and stuff. I would, I would just say, like maybe stop it, stop it. Jenny Slate, thank you so much for coming on Nerdette. This has really been a delight. Thank you so much for having me. I got so much useful information, and I can't wait to live my life with this new info. Oh, good. Yeah, we want to see. We want to see the plants. Yeah. Once I get them, um, I'll, I'll send you guys a picture. Oh darn it! You know what I really should have said? Also, what? I truly believe that every person who is trying to live in the light right now and create a world that they want their children to live in should be reading these Rebecca Solnit books. Oh, yes. Men Explain Things to Me and The Mother of All Questions because there are some insights in there that really um, astounded me and opened me up and made me feel hope. They are not long reads. They're very easy to understand and they will warm your heart and light up your brain. This show is produced by us, Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson, along with Candace Mattel. Our executive producer is Joel Meyer. Our intern is B. Aldrich. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on NPR One, or listen in the WBEZ app. It's also really helpful if you leave us all the stars in Apple Podcasts. It helps spread the good word about Nerdette. Thanks to Rabbits for the Win for the excellent review. I mean, I think that Rabbits for the Win reminds me most of Monty Python and the Quest for the Holy Grail when they're being attacked by a rabbit and they have to run away the rabbit wings. <laughs> I wonder if that is what it's a reference. I can't think of anything else. Well, I know I'm thinking about it. I guess tortoises and hares, but then it but would be the hares for the win. doesn't win. The tortoise oh, wins right. the race. That's the whole point of the thing. I would think you would love that fable as someone who as likes a slow to be person. a little slow and steady <laughs> comparatively. Thank you, Trisha. What is your Apple that. screen name? It should be tortoises for the win. I like it. I like it very much. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. We are at Nerdette Podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear. Do your homework. Do your homework. Will someone please write a book called The Happy Capybara? And his friend the tortoise? Yes. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.